Today I'm speaking with Hilda Labrada-Gore, who is the host and producer of The Wise Traditions, which has over 50,000 downloads and nearly 900 ratings, and Tradicione Sabia's podcast. She is a certified health coach who has traveled the world exploring traditional practices for optimal well-being. Hilda shares the best of experts, experiences, and epic adventures on the podcast, her holistic Hilda YouTube channel, and on ancestral health tours that she leads. Hilda is also a podcast coach and the author of Podcasting Made Simple. She especially enjoys helping people in the health and wellness space launch and improve their shows. Hilda has energy to spare thanks to her love for sunshine and liverwurst. You are definitely going to want to stay to the end for this. There's special offers and we talk all about on the interesting aspects of ancestral living. Enjoy. You're listening to the Better Health Podcast with April, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, you are listening to Better Health with April. Thank you so much for joining. I am super excited about this episode because I am sitting down with Hilda Labrada Gore, and she is going to be going over anything ancestral living. And this is a topic that really fascinates me because it really brings us back to our roots. And so I'm excited to learn more. I'm sure you guys are as well. So welcome to the show, Hilda. Thank you so much, April. I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. It's going to be a great show. So to start us off, I would just love to know, where are you from and what was your childhood and family like in regards to health? Oh, that's a great question. So my mom is from Mexico. My father is from Cuba and they met in the U.S. They got married and they stayed. (laughs) So I've got 100% Latina blood, you know, but I'm American by birth and by the way they raised me, you know. Mm -hmm. So I would say... Interestingly, my parents held on to some of their wise traditions, as we would say, Mm -hmm. and they let go of a lot of them. Why did they Mm -hmm. let go of them? Because they wanted to assimilate. You know, they wanted to be seen as Americans. They wanted to fit in. And so they let go of some of their traditions. Uh, But some of them they held on to, for which I'm grateful, because what I've really found is there's a lot of wisdom and health that we can benefit from health practices of our ancestors that we shouldn't let go of ever, you know? So some of the things they held on to included uh, making broth, you know, Mm. they say chicken soup is good for the sick and it's really true. So my parents would make a special broth. They would also sometimes cook liver and onions. Mm. Um, And we had especially when I was little, a lot of real food for like breakfast, it would be eggs or eggs and fruit, you know. And unfortunately, as the years went by, my parents divorced and my mom started getting more frozen foods and things started to go downhill. Um, (laughs) But I'm grateful for the base that they did give me and the traditions they did hold on to. Mm, That's amazing because not everyone can say that. I grew up, you know, having breakfast that were typically more whole foods. Um, A lot of times I hear it was the typical cereals and I would typically have these types of snacks and then they end up getting into health later on in life. Um, But knowing that some of your roots are still, you know, we're still pretty solid is really cool to hear. And a Cuban and half Mexican girl is so amazing. That is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited to hear more about um, what that entails with your ancestral practices as well. Um, But next question, I would love to know what ended up getting you into health and then ancestral living. So 
even though I said my parents gave me a great base, my childhood actually had a shaky start because mm -hmm. April, I was born with a birth defect mm -hmm. and it makes me cry whenever I think about it really a lot because it's such a poignant story. Really, I was, before I was born, my parents had the feeling I was going to be born with something wrong because mm -hmm. my mother got exposed to the German measles when I was in her womb. And even today, doctors will say, oh my gosh, a baby that's gotten exposed to the German measles will be born with some serious defect. They'll be deaf mm -hmm. or dumb or blind. And so my parents didn't know what to expect. And then when I was born, there was nothing apparent to the naked eye. But as they listened to my heart over the course of a couple of months, the doctors noticed there was a murmur. And that just meant there was a hole in my heart and blood was rushing through in a direction it shouldn't rush through in. <laughs> and so it wasn't being properly oxygenated and the doctors are like, oh my gosh, like, unless we do open heart surgery, this baby is not going to live beyond like 21 years of age. I guess they just figured my heart would give up or my blood yeah. wouldn't be working, you know, functioning properly. So when I was nine years old, mm -hmm. they did open heart surgery. And so I remember, yeah, I remember being in the hospital room by myself because my parents went out to like take a break, I guess. And the nurse came in to get me ready for surgery and I was nervous and scared and I didn't know what was happening. And yeah. then the next day when I woke up, I had this huge scar on my chest and it was scary too, because it's like, oh my gosh, there's this big scar on my chest, but yeah. they had sewed up the heart and they said, you can basically do now whatever you'd like. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was like, I had a new lease on life. And I was like, what am I going to do? Well, I, number one, I want to take care of this body that started yeah. out so fragile. Right. And then I realized I want to help other people do the same. So that mm. really was a huge influence toward the path I decided to take. And there were other influences along the way too, but um, that was wow. a biggie. Like, oh my gosh, I better take care of this body. So it lasts me a long time. That's incredible for a nine-year-old to say that because you were nine years old, correct? Yes. Oh yeah. Wow. For a nine-year-old to say, you know, I need to take care of my body and I want to, to help others do the same throughout the years to come is incredible because you don't often hear that. <laughs> um, right. Well, the truth yeah. is, part of me just wanted to be an actress too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you then, had that little bit there. <laughs> I did. I had that there too. I was like, maybe I'll be a famous singer. I don't know. But now, <laughs> guess what? Like I get to do both things. I'm not saying I'm an actress, but I'm yeah. on YouTube, you know? I've been in little That's movies crazy. and I'm like, hey, this is kind of fun. But the main objective I do have is so everyone can live at 100% at every age and stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what were some of the steps you took as a nine-year-old? I mean, if you can remember that were health-related in the right direction. Yeah. Well, I remember I didn't want to mess around with alcohol or drugs mm -hmm. or smoking or anything. And if you can just think back to those teen years, those were the cool things to do. Yeah, I mean, I remember right. going to a party and just pretending I was drinking because everybody else was, <laughs> but I just knew I didn't want to do that. So mm -hmm. that's one thing. I stayed away from any, you know, mind altering substances. Another mm -hmm. thing I did was I really felt like a spiritual sense, like something bigger than me was looking out for me, even when I was in the womb. So I came to the Christian faith as a young girl because I just felt like God saved me, you know? And mm. even a doctor told me one time that that T on my chest might've been a cross because a cross wasn't necessarily mm. like this. It might've been like a capital T. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've been marked. So I embraced that as well. And I think that's part of where I get my joy and hope and optimism from. And as you and I both know, yeah. health isn't just a physical thing. It's mm -hmm. got many components. So I'm really thankful for those choices I made early on because they've served me well. 
A hundred percent. And I'm with you there. Like God has kept me going through and he is my provider and he's my provider of health. And when there's moments where it may be tough in regards to what I'm experiencing health wise, I can always turn to him and he has a bigger plan with it all and how we can use the gifts that he's blessed us with to bless others as well and serve others. So that's a super powerful. Wow. So um, could you please define, like, what is ancestral living? What are some of the key pillars with that? Oh, I was hoping you would ask me that. (laughs) Because some people think, oh, my mother is from Scotland, so I guess I should be eating a lot of haggish or whatever they (laughs) – I don't even know what it's called. Blood pudding and all these things. You know, I mean, that's great, I'm sure. But when I talk about ancestral living, I kind of mean more of our ancestors worldwide Mm -hmm. because they had things in common. It's not that you just need to eat or live where your ancestors did, although I'm sure that would serve you well as well. But I'm talking about just as a general principle. Why? Because look at me, like I'm from, you know, Mexican and Cuban extraction. I live in the Northeast of the U.S., you know, (laughs) so that's not really where I'm going to get a lot of avocados or pineapple or whatever my ancestors were eating. But I can still benefit from the things that they did and the ways that they lived and incorporate some Mm -hmm. of those to where I am. So primarily, I will tell you, I got my education about ancestral living, um, yes, somewhat from my parents, but also from the Weston A. Price Foundation. They're the group that I found out about in my 20s. And I was like, wow, I really like, you know, their stuff. It was kind of like paleo, Mm -hmm. but better because it wasn't just about... I don't know, you know, eating a lot of meat or, you know, avoiding processed foods, but it was like including fermented foods and including salt and really eating and living in such a way as our ancestors did. And I was like, this makes so much sense to me. It just resonated. So I got involved with them. I became a member. You can just become a member and it's like less than a gym membership. It's like $40 a year or something. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting this little journal. I'm like, this is awesome information. And all of their work is pretty much based on this guy named Dr. Price who Mm. traveled the world in the 1930s to find the healthiest people on the planet, basically. Mm. He took his time. I think he traveled a lot of summers. He just would go and on vacay with his wife, Florence, and they went to Switzerland and they went to Alaska Mm. and they went all over the place. And of course, all the people were eating different foods. They had very Mm. different, you know, geographic settings. And so he just started to take note of what they did have that was similar. And he wrote a book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration Mm. to focus on the healthy things he saw and the less healthy things. And the main thing I will tell you that he had to say is that the healthiest people were eating their traditional diet. So if they Mm. were in Alaska, it was a lot of like fish and whale blubber and seal oil, you know, and if it was Switzerland, it was dairy products and cheese and sourdough bread. And in Kenya, it was meat and raw milk and even blood from the animals. Yeah, and so that's right. Like, wow, these diets are all different, but people eating these remain hale and hearty. And so mm-hmm. I just got really involved with the foundation. Now I'm their podcaster and the rest is history. But I <laughs> Not think, a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are some strong building blocks to begin with is eating fewer processed foods and more whole real foods that would be a part of anybody's traditional diet. Hmm, interesting. And I mean, let me know if I'm wrong, but did it have a lot to do with the teeth as well and um, the how their teeth health was? Um, maybe this is something else that I read, but was that entailed with all the discoveries that he saw? 
Absolutely. No, you're right on target. Dr. Price was a dentist and a researcher. So everywhere he went, he's like, let me see your teeth. Like, he's (laughs) very intrigued by the teeth. And that's kind of what got him going, April. He would get National Mm. Geographic magazine. And he was like, wait, these people have these beautiful, broad smiles. And it's a huge contrast with the children and the people I see in my dental clinic whose teeth are crowded or they're full of cavities. So that's what kind of got him thinking, like, Mm. what is up here? So indeed, the people who ate their traditional diets worldwide had naturally broad faces. It's not just like mm-hmm. genetics where you'd say, oh, the Inuit people have broad right. faces, but the, you know, the UK people don't. Well, maybe they don't today, but they did mm-hmm. yesterday and many years before. So the idea is when we give our body the proper building blocks, it can have its, um, your body can have its perfect genetic expression. And what I mean by that is um, good hearing, good eyesight, good posture, you know, um, no problem with behavior or cognitive function. And Mm -hmm. the teeth, Dr. Price said, are the window to the rest of the body's health. So they're an indicator. I don't know if you've ever noticed in movies, but the bad guy often has crowded teeth or they just look really bad. (laughs) And the good guy has a straight teeth. They typecast them that way for a reason because- Mm -hmm. When your teeth are crowded or bad, you're going to have behavioral issues. You're going to have a chip on the shoulder. You're not, you haven't reached your full bodily expression that includes both the Mm -hmm. mind and the spirit and the body. So anyway, so yes, Dr. Price noted that very strongly in his book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. And this is the cool thing, April. He was able to contrast those eating their traditional diets Mm -hmm. with people of the same race and even the same bloodline and everything who had abandoned those diets Mm -hmm. because- he could meet them and he saw, oh, the people that have tried, kind of changed to their more Western diet began um, having children with more crowded mm. teeth, with more cavities and with more narrow faces. So it's not just mm. genetics that causes narrow faces. It really has to do with the building blocks that that baby got in utero. So mm. it's fascinating. If people want to read Dr. Price's book, it's called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Mm. And then Sally Fallon Morell, who loved his work so much, wrote a book called Nourishing Traditions because she wanted to kind of build on the information mm-hmm. and the research that he pulled together. Hmm. Awesome. Great information, great context. That'll definitely be in the show notes as well. Um, and it, it really backs up a lot of what ancestral living is and the proof behind it as to, you know, comparing those two groups of people where they, you know, essentially have the same background, but different lifestyles, different diet and um, the impact that that has on their lives, because you can obviously see it and like just looking at their teeth. So a lot of scientific background with that as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Let me just say that modern science backs traditional wisdom. Mm. And so all the things that Dr. Price found, the foundation has worked hard to make sure it's not just like, oh, an old wives tale that we should have more fish row and we're expecting, you know, more fish eggs and things like that. But then again, even that makes sense intuitively. I want to have a little seed in my womb, you know, be fertilized. And so maybe I should be eating little seeds or eggs from other animals. Do you know what I mean? So it all makes sense, but science does back this traditional wisdom. Hmm. Really good to know. Good to know. And so what age were you at when you started diving into this and um, what were the first steps you took? 
So glad you asked me that because I'm afraid, let's say, uh, you know, a young mom in her early 30s is like, you know, oh no, I'm only hearing this now. <laughs> I didn't right? know this. I've been feeding my kids like all the wrong stuff. Girl, I feel you because that happened to me. So I found out about it in my 20s, but didn't really pay that much attention to it. I was still big on just exercising a lot. I was like, if you exercise, it doesn't matter what you eat. You know, you just work it off. It's all good. You'll be strong. But then a dear friend of mine became very sick with chronic fatigue mm-hmm. and doctors had no answers for her. And that's when she started playing mm-hmm. with her diet. She came across the Weston Price Foundation. So that influenced me. But all this to say, <laughs> I had kids and I was still trying to figure this stuff out. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. where, where do I start? Now, some people might be like, I'm a like ditch everything from the cupboards, girl. I'm just going to go hundred <laughs> percent from zero to 60. But that wasn't me. I was like, I, you know, still like my kick cereal with a few blueberries and milk yeah. on it. You know, what am I going to do? So I decided to take gradual steps. And the first thing I did, and I would recommend this for others as well, is to get your fat straight. Um, mm-hmm. In other words, to incorporate more um, saturated fats in the diet. And for a while, April, these were maligned. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's coming back around again because science is pulling us back to what traditional wisdom is known all along. But saturated fat doesn't um, cause heart disease or mm-hmm. um, you know cause high cholesterol and all that. It actually is super necessary for proper mm-hmm. brain function and heart function and for all of our functions and <laughs> mood. And I'll just tell you a quick story. So I was teaching exercise classes three times a week and I loved it. I loved it. But in the middle of my workout, I would literally feel my blood sugar plummet and I would start to get kind of shaky. And I was like, what is up? And so I would grab a power bar or whatever I had nearby and I'd take a few bites. I'd be like, okay, now I'm good. I could teach the rest of my class. I was a little embarrassed, but then I was like, I guess I'm just one of those people. I'm naturally slim. I just mean, might need to keep grazing. I guess that's how it goes. When I started to change my diet from that kick cereal with blueberries and milk for breakfast to like stuff with more protein and fat, so like eggs and bacon or full fat yogurt with some, yes, I still love those Mm. berries, but you know, I started changing it. I could sail through the workout. Mm. I could go till two or three in the afternoon. And so this is amazing. And so now I just want to tell the moms out there too. After school, my kids would come home and they'd be like, okay, mom, I want a snack. Okay. You're like, okay. After school snack, that's normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would ask me so many times I started teasing them for my seventh snack. I'm going to have this. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was like, why are they eating so much? They were hungry for something that satisfied April. Mm. And so that's the other thing about full fat. It satiates. If I had given them, Mm. let's say some eggs or some cheese, grilled cheese with some bone broth, like they would have been so satisfied. They wouldn't even want a dinner really. But instead I was probably giving them little pretzel sticks and here's some Mm. fruit and you're thinking that's the healthy thing or some veggies, but where's the fat? Where's the protein? I think we really need to eat more ancestrally and we will be surprised at how it boosts our kids' moods, it boosts our own mood, and again, how it improves our cognitive function and our overall satiety. Mm, totally. And I mean, it can result to a lot of, okay, why are these kids facing these um, lack of focus issues? And why are they so, you know, anxious ridden? And you think about, okay, if we're giving them pretzels, like there's no consistency to that. I mean, pretzels is better than some of the other stuff that they're even <laughs> being, being given during snacks, like, you know, little cakes. And so, that's just like fueling the anxiety, fueling the um, lack of focus. They need fat to just like stabilize and calm them. Yeah. And since you use the word fuel, I'll say really Mm -hmm. quick that um, 
that is a great illustration because when you eat pretzels or something like that, mm. it's like you're putting kindling on the fire. And mm. what happens to that? It goes up in smoke pretty fast, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to the log of like real fat or real protein that's going to sustain and keep that fire going for a long time. Mm, that's a really great analogy. Great picture in my head right there. So is this going to be pretty much the same thing for each person or is, does it get a little more personalized when someone starts doing ancestral living for themselves? Well, the Weston A. Price Foundation has 11 wise traditions principles that are, again, the commonalities of these people all around the world. And I really would advise that you put that link in your show notes yeah, if you can to westonaprice.org and to this little brochure that's called the uh, Timeless Principles of Healthy Traditional Diets. But anyway, so those are like the overarching principles, but for goodness sakes, you know, people should definitely tailor it to themselves. I think um, bioindividuality is a real thing. And so Mm -hmm. I might be able to tolerate dairy very well and your constitution and your gut might just be like, no, thank you. Even if it's raw, that's not working for me. Well, then don't force yourself. You know, we do need to listen to our bodies. So I would use these principles as a guiding light, but then alter it as you need to. You know, a lot of people are, for example, um, gluten intolerant or Mm. just find that they're gluten sensitive. Well, then you can avoid it. And or you can find a way to help your gut heal so then later you can enjoy what breads have to offer. And the wise Mm. traditions folks say the main reason people are probably gluten intolerant is because they're not properly preparing their grains. And Mm. ancient cultures all did that. So they would either soak or sprout or ferment their grains so that they were more easily to digest. And then you can also make the nutrients more bioavailable at the same Mm. time. So this is still something I'm not the queen of, to be honest, but I have friends who have sourdough starter that they give me <laughs> so I can make things. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm figuring it out. I don't yeah. have a lot of beans because I'm not the queen of soaking, but if you soak it overnight, it's not that hard. You know, there is mm-hmm. little templates that we have either on our website or um, I think the Radiant Life people have a whole guide on how to, you know, soak your beans or nuts and benefit from having them more easy to digest, like I said, and also making the nutrients more bioavailable. But I would say Mm -hmm. people should definitely tailor this according to what works for them. But you Mm -hmm. can't go wrong by buying fewer processed foods and buying more real foods at your farmer's market. Mm, 100%, 100% agree. And like you said, it will definitely be in the show notes because it's great resources for those that are like, I'm very interested. I just need to know a little bit more. Um, So a great location to find that. So I would love to know what does your lifestyle entail for like, what is a day in the life of Hilda when it comes to ancestral living? What are some key things that you do, whether it's diet or maybe there are other things that you do? Oh my gosh. There's so many things. I was wondering if I should do a YouTube video, like a day in the life or something. Yes. Um, I think just to inspire, but also I don't want people to think that they have to do the same thing because that's mm. what people get caught up in, right? They're like, oh, she did that. I better do that. Well, right. it might not be good for you, but I will tell you, I've incorporated some ancestral health practices that aren't necessarily a part of the wise traditions principles, but that have meant a lot to me that I've learned from Dr. Price and other health experts I've had on my show. The first is just getting outside more and mm. That might sound funny or kind of obvious, like, oh, duh, of course we should get outside more. Everybody knows we should get outside more. But I was a person that, like, I'd eat breakfast, feed my kids breakfast, take them to school. Then I would go work out, so in a gym or at a church, because I did this body and soul workout for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I would go get groceries, and then I would come home. I promise you I didn't get more like half an hour, more than half an hour outside at a time on a day. And I'm like, what is that? I don't know what I was missing, you know? Yeah. And 
Dr. Price mentioned in his book how indigenous people, well, first of all, some of them weren't even very clothed, you know, unless they had to go into <laughs> town for something. So they were really getting a lot of time with nature. They, their feet were on the ground mm. and they were getting the sunlight on their skin. Yeah. And so it might help people to just think of us as like little batteries. And literally you need the ground underneath to give you energy and you need the sun on top to give you energy. And then you're going to be fully charged. Mm. So that's how I start my day. I go outside every morning within 30 to 45 minutes of sunrise. I get the sun literally in my eyes to help set my circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. to cue my hormones about melatonin production. So I sleep more profoundly at night and mm -hmm. it's just the best start to my day. I'm not clicking on my phone to see who reached out to me or to see the latest news. I mean, I can listen to podcasts later. It, it's really starting the day on my own terms. So I definitely start outside. Another thing I do is I have a gratitude journal and mm. I think thankfulness is really important for our spirits as well and our bodies. I have a friend that just posted that they did a scientific study on this and they noticed that people's inflammation markers on their bodies mm. went down after eight weeks of gratitude. And so what that means is they were feeling less joint pain, you know, just kind of less bloated and more functional, more able to deal with life's, you know, punches, so to speak. So I just do it because I know it makes me feel good to look at what I'm happy about and thankful for, even in the midst of challenges. So that's how my day starts. And I mean, I could go on and on, but I'll just say one more thing that I do is actually fasting. And I used to get shaky fasting because of what I was telling you earlier, I was borderline like hypoglycemic. Um, but now what I do is I just shrink my eating window and I don't do it for weight loss because I feel like I'm at a good weight. I do it for... Um, giving my digestive system a break. And I yeah. think our ancestors also didn't have food available like three times a day. I don't even know who came up with the three times a day thing. So <laughs> what I do is I crunch my eating window. I'll eat from about 10 a.m. to maybe about 6 p.m. So that's still eight hours of eating, right? And then I have somebody else do the math, but the rest of the time <laughs> for rest, for rest for my body and kind of regrouping, if you will, because we can't be taxing our digestive system so much, I think. Mm -hmm. and this also is good for immune system function and any number of things. I feel like I I'm a little bit more clear-headed when I've fasted. Mm -hmm. And um, it also surprises me the benefits I get just from the discipline of it. So mm -hmm. again, if I wasn't clear already, I'm, I fast overnight. So that makes it really easy. I'm sleeping yeah, most yeah. of the time. <laughs> and then I just wait to have breakfast a little later. If I'm hungry, mm -hmm. I listen to my body. And goodness, if someone's listening who's breastfeeding, don't do this. Don't try this at home. <laughs> right. You're needing to feed yourself and your baby. But if you're not in that stage, then take a little time and just stretch out. Maybe I'll have breakfast at 9.30 instead of 9 and just play with a little mm -hmm. bit. And it just, it's wonderful. I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm big on it right now. Definitely. I, I'm 100% with you there as well. And just thinking about, I'm glad you mentioned where it's like, oh, it's just not, not just following what Hilda does. It's mm -hmm. looking into each one of those things and thinking, okay, what does this entail for me? I'm not just going to do it because someone tells me to. It's taking responsibility and looking into what are the benefits of that and what would that look like for my lifestyle, for my body. And, you know, be curious and invest again on your own self and see, okay, how did that respond with me and what do I need to tweak? Um, and, you know, it's so huge getting outside. And I think about, you know, it's resetting your circadian rhythm in a way when watching the sun being outside. And that's also huge for women as well with their cycles and their hormones. Um, who would have thought that just by being outside, being in the sun, letting your bodies know the time of day based on that, 
that it can really help your infradian rhythm as well. <laughs> oh my gosh, totally. I'm glad you brought that up because once my kids got in bed at the end of the day, I was always like, okay, now it's my time. I mean, some of you might grab a glass of wine and watch Netflix more power to you. But I was always like, I've got to do laundry. I've got to clean the kitchen. I'm going to do some things on my computer. And then the next thing I would know, April, it would be like midnight, 1am. And I was like, wow, I'm going strong. I just felt like I'm superwoman. I didn't know at the time that the blue light from my screen was signaling to my body and to my pineal gland that it was a different time of day. So it was stimulating me. That's where my second wind came from. It wasn't that I was superwoman. It was that I was changing what my body clock was thinking. You know, It was really not good. So when I learn that, I started spending less time on screens at night or at least wearing blue blockers or using something mm -hmm. like Iris on my computer to yeah. have it change with the time of day to help me out. But it's, it, that's really important. I think even if any listeners right now didn't change anything about their diet or lifestyle except something having to do with light, mm -hmm. I think they would feel like so much better and really right. see some profound changes in their health. Right. And we got to think about too, it probably ties a lot to like ancestral living as well, where think about our ancestors. They didn't live with computer screens. I mean, at a certain time of the day, once it got dark, it was dark and they probably went to bed. I'm, I'm sure you know a little bit more of maybe that background, but they didn't have these blue lights blocking or getting into our systems and blocking our melatonin levels. And, and that ultimately does so much damage. <laughs> Yeah. I have two things I want to say about that. One is, um, okay, so I went to Peru and when I was there, I got to go up outside the city called Huaraz. I mean, it was like a three hour trip up this mountain. It was crazy far away from the main city. And the kids there looked beautiful. They had broad faces, ruddy cheeks. They were just gorgeous. And granted, they might've been, you know, closer to their indigenous roots than the kids in the city, but I saw this stark contrast between them and the kids in Lima who were at the university who were constantly on their computers. They looked pale. They looked weak. They were hunched over. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what a huge contrast. Yeah. So I really think you're right. Getting outside, that really does change so much. And then I guess the other thing I was going to say is it can also just change your mood. And again, I'm thinking mm -hmm. of that young mom who's like, oh my gosh, my kids have me up to here. What are we going to do? I don't care if it's freezing out, guys. Get outside. Your mm -hmm. kids will feel better. You will feel better. There's something about the mix of the fresh breeze on your face and the sun in your eyes. And in some countries, they actually let their babies nap in strollers and carriages outside, even when it's like snowing. Man, they, they don't leave them out there all day like a sausage or something. <laughs> they bring them in. But I'm just saying that it has benefits even for the littlest among us. Good points. Good points. Yeah. It's, you know, there's such a difference between the stale air from inside, especially during the winter when you're hardly opening windows and the fresh mm -hmm. air outside. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Totally. Now, is there anything that has to do with ancestral living in regards to how we work out, how we exercise and get that physical activity in? Oh, yeah. Um, interestingly, they didn't have gyms back in the day. <laughs> really? It's <laughs> really, really important for the listeners to know. No, obviously, everyone knows that. But it's like, what did they do? Well, it was functional fitness. Like, literally, they're like chopping wood or gathering vegetables or, you know, tilling the ground. And so they were moving as a part of their day. But they also had fun. You guys, they danced. Every culture had dance. So turn on that music, you know, put on some tunes. You know how that lifts the kids' moods too, actually, you right. know, like have some fun with it. Enjoy. And 
don't feel like it has to be a workout. I interviewed this guy named Daryl Edwards, who is uh, known as a fitness explorer, and he's big on playouts. And I kind of mm-hmm. like that because I think we're working too hard on our bodies, honestly. I mean, I want to look as buff, as strong as the next person. <laughs> I want to have my six pack abs, you know, but with you. <laughs> I think there's a way to get them without working as hard as we do. We don't have to go to the gym. We don't have to like do all these workouts every day. You can play with your kids. You can, you know, jump over each other, do leapfrog and that stuff will keep you flexible. And it's just a lot more fun too. So I would say have fun, dance, and definitely know that the movement you're doing, picking up your kids seven times a day, like that counts as a workout. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You may not realize it, but it does. Absolutely. (laughs) All those moms out there are like, Yes, finally someone said it. (laughs) Uh, And I just think about like dancing, you know, not only is it helping you physically, but like mentally you're, you're with people, you're laughing. Like just think about, you know, the oxytocin levels and the stress levels are just ultimately going to just, you know, subside a little bit and subdue. So it's, that's really a great, great example of what people can do to just ultimately affect all their health. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. Great. There's so much information that we could just continue to dive into. So this was an awesome preview for those that have nothing to know about or don't know anything about ancestral living. And they're like, okay, what is, what is the groundwork for this? What does it entail? So this was a great snapshot of that. Um, is there any key takeaways that you would love to give to listeners? Mm. Well, interestingly, you know, I studied to be a health coach with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition oh, yeah, and they same. said, yeah, I thought so. I thought so. I was like, <laughs> yep, did yep. you do that too? Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, and one thing they said is you don't need to tell your clients like do this, don't do that. Joshua Rosenthal, the head of the organization said they already know. And at first I was like, what, what does he mean? I think there's an inner knowing that we all have if you stop and listen. So I would say, be skeptical of me. Don't take my word for it. Don't take the word. Don't take April's word for it. Don't even listen to the foundation. Like listen to the information and you consider it. And I think you already said this, April, but you know, mull over it and see what really resonates with you and then apply it to your lives because you already know what's best for you. Give yourself more credit. That's what I would say. Really great takeaway. I'm sure anyone can listening can take something from that and just really take that responsibility. So mm-hmm. great points. Thank you for that. Um, and now to end us off, this is when we really dive into the meat of everything, <laughs> our <laughs> rapid fire questions. So Hilda, I would first love to know who is the most influential woman in your life or, and they can be living or they could have passed already. Oh, I have so many. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yes. Well, I really admire Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, who mm-hmm. was a nun from probably like the 15th or 16th century. And she was in Mexico at the time and she wanted to study, but women weren't allowed to study at that time. So she became a nun, I think in part, <laughs> so she would have access to all those books and learning. And mm-hmm. so she was just bold. She wrote poems and she wrote plays and she made mm-hmm. music and she wrote these amazing works of art really that just Mm. so inspired me. And I just love her brilliance intellectually Mm. and her courage emotionally and spiritually. And then another woman I'll mention is Joan of Arc, who, as you know, felt like she got messages from God Mm. to be brave and courageous. And I just really look up to these women who didn't necessarily let the constructs of society dictate their choices. And so 
I just want to speak to all the women out there. You are leaders more than you know. And right now your followers might be your two little ones under age five, <laughs> but you are still leading and you can lead them strongly and well by having courage and listening for what your calling might be in this life. Mm. I love that. It's, you know, I'm just coming to my mind is like bold, courageous, but graceful at the same time. Mm. So hmm, I, I love that. Great, great points, Hilda. All righty. What is your favorite food? Um, I just love meat so much. Mm. <laughs> I have to say I veer yes. carnivore and <laughs> not what the foundation says. They're like, oh, you need a diverse diet. But I'm like, my body just loves meat. It just wants mm. more and more meat. So I'm like, okay, that's what works well for me. I never mm. like vegetables and I'm glad my parents never forced me to like them. And now I'm, like, <laughs> I'm okay. I mean, they're my friends. They're not just my BAE or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> my yeah. before everything else. So, um, yeah. My favorite food mm. is actually meat. And I would say a dish in particular from Cuba is called picadillo. Mm. It's like a ground beef taco oh. filling kind of that is absolutely mm. to die for. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've had that and I know exactly what you're thinking about. And man, it is amazing. <laughs> it I is love so Cuban food so much. So this is, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a past, present, or a future thinker? Present. Mm. Very much present. I want to live in the now because yeah. tomorrow we don't have yet. And yesterday is gone. Mm, definitely. Really great point. Um, what is your favorite travel destination or a dream destination of yours? I want to go to Antarctica. Mm. <laughs> sounds crazy, but I've been to all the other continents. So I'm like, come on, Antarctica. Yeah. I don't think it's easy to get to. So wish me luck on that one. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be wishing. I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> um, and then are you a reader? And if so, what are you reading right now? Well, in case you were wondering, because I sound so like women passionate right now, I'm reading this book that's called Women Who Run With Wolves. Mm -hmm. I interviewed an Aboriginal woman who recommended it, and I'm still on the intro, and it's actually rather deep. So um, I lead, read like a paragraph, and then I fall asleep. But it is calling us to remember who we are, mm -hmm. and our courage, and our innate you know, wisdom, and all these beautiful things. And mm -hmm. so far, I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. That is, that is amazing. I, I'm always looking for great titles of books. And so I'm putting that on my list for sure. Definitely. <laughs> and then um, last but not least, I would love to know how can listeners connect with you, Hilda? Uh, I'm on Instagram and parlor at Holistic Hilda. They can also just go to my website, holistichilda.com. And I've got a YouTube channel called Holistic Hilda. <laughs> yeah, definitely check her out on Instagram. I was checking it out and man, Hilda, you have so much information on there. And so people, if you are not connected with her on there, if you're not following her, you have to, because you're going to learn so much. It's a lot of fun too. I just got the vibe from her Instagram that it was like just this positivity with so much knowledge at the same time. So check it out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And also I do want to offer the listeners a special offer. I am a health coach. I'm also a podcast coach. Mm -hmm. So if anybody wants to hit me up for just like a 10 minute session on podcasting or health stuff, I'm happy to talk to you for, you know, talk with you a little bit about your journey and see if I can help you on the way. That would be amazing. That will be in the show notes as well. Good. Go ahead. <laughs> No, I was going to say, the where, I was like, how do they do it? I didn't tell them. Go to holistichilda.com. Go to the services page. You'll see I offer a lot of different podcasting services. Just put in there, like, I heard you on April's show. I want to connect with you and whatever you want to do, and we'll take it from there. Perfect, perfect. And let me tell you, like, for anyone listening, 
like this lady knows so much about podcasting. She's been doing it for over five years or just about five years. Yep, so yep. she's got the experience. You're in good hands if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, awesome. April. Yeah, you bet. Well, thank you so much, um, Hilda, for being on the show. It was such an honor to be with you and to speak with you and learn more from you. I loved it. And I hope we can get together and have picadillo sometime. Oh my goodness. I'm so down. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> All right. We'll set it up. Perfect. Thanks, Thank April. You. <laughs>